This is CliffCentral.com. The Renegade Report. I'm Jonathan. And Ramon is present. And you don't have to like, point to me when it's my turn to talk, Jonathan. Uh, well, sometimes you don't really respond very well. And I feel like I would get a better recipient if I had your pug in studio. So, you know. I'm trying that. my pug. You obviously don't <laughs> No, I love any. your pug. Exactly. I love your pug. And you, it's a kind of love-hate relationship. Uh, I love to be hated. <laughs> especially for things that I actually believe. I like... <laughs> I was called uh, Eugene to Blanche 2.0. Oh, I saw that, yes. For going hunting in yes. the Karoo. Yes. Uh, the, sorry, can I just point out the person who called you Eugene to Blanche 2.0 uh, supports an organization which wants the complete destruction of the state of Israel and the death of all Jews. So that's ironic uh, in that itself. Is that say? No, it's not Lead SA, although I think people who were involved with Lead SA have that view, but uh, certainly BDS, BDSM, uh, the, the guys who like a bit of light torture and also torturing Jews. Um, so today we're going to talk all about the media, the lovely media. The lovely media, which we, and we are not part of it, we are the alternative media. Yeah, we are the Important alternative distinction. media. The, so the, the, the legacy media, the mainstream media, uh, there's been... Well, there's been a shift in the world, I think. Uh, we've been speaking for this, about this for quite some time in regards of the change that people have noticed. So people were getting their news from the usual sources for a very long time and then started realizing, hold on a second, am I being given exactly what they want me to know or actually what's going on? And a lot of uh, stuff has happened Overseas, uh, the U.S., we've got the election of Trump, along with him calling outlets like CNN fake news. And now they can't get away from that moniker. No, he changed it. The very fake news. Fuck's sakes. That's my punchline. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got all of this. Um, It's an ongoing problem because um, even this past week overseas in the U.S., there was a satirical video that was done by – this uh, woman who's, who who hosts a conservative sort of TV show, I think, online TV show, right. uh, Ellie Stuckey. And she's, she spliced uh, a real interview of that socialist. Uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. That one. Yes. Uh, she just won. She was a bartender yeah. like five months ago. Yeah, the chick who drew up in the nice suburb in um, New York and went to like a semi-private like school and then tells everyone she grew up in the Bronx. You know, she's like Jenny from the block. Uh, so, so Except yeah, typical, typical socialists, you know, uh, they want everything of the best for themselves and then they, they you know, they, they, they really feel for the poor. Because, so she splices interview together and obviously it was hysterical. So she spliced all the times where this, I can't remember, Cortez didn't yeah. know the answers, mm. but the original interview was, it, was, was a disaster. Was awful already because <laughs> she didn't know what Palestine was. You yeah. know, she's like, I'm here for Palestine. And has a degree in international relations. Right. And she didn't know. And anyway. economics, I might add. Um, yeah. So they, they splice, they splice the satire. It's actually a, a, an old trick. Uh, John Stewart used to do it. Um, uh, Conan O'Brien used to do it recently. Uh, in fact, when I say recently, 10 days ago, Stephen Colbert did it with, uh, he, he superimposed himself onto, I think, Sean Hannity interviewing Trump. 
Uh, and obviously he says ridiculous things and then Trump like agrees with him about the ridiculous. Yeah. So she did the same thing. She just like uh, cut herself saying, you know, don't you think that capitalism is really good? And then Ocasio-Cortez kind of agrees with her. And then she says, don't you think socialism is really bad for these reasons? And Ocasio-Cortez agrees with her. And so it got like a million and a half views on Facebook. And then the mainstream media, which is insistent that they are the real news, uh, proceeded to report that a video which was fake was being spread by the right. And um, this was clearly not satire and what in fact happened after the washington post published an article on this i mean it wasn't just it was vox and vice and the usual suspects but it was the washington post they then they then sort of said well this is clearly satire everyone knew this was satire so they updated and said the site has noted that it's satire after the backlash no you're all a bunch of idiots and they now had to like point out your idiocy it's it's yeah. just unbelievable. What I think what we are seeing is that the the right wing sort of is is sort of winning the culture war. It's using the tactics that the creative left always had, mm. you know, superimposing themselves into interviews, splicing things out of context for dramatic or comedic effect. Well, uh, and then the right does it, and now all of a sudden, like it's fake. But no, but it's why is it satire if the one side does it and fake when the other side does it? You follow this guy on Twitter as well. I like him quite a lot. Um, Jeff, uh, Jeff Miller, Jeff Miller, um, and he also an evolutionary um, psychologist. Uh, psychologist. Um, and he he noted the other day that the left is terrified that the right has got its sense of humor back or has discovered its sense of humor, yeah. so to speak. I think that is happening, and I think that was an in very interesting observation. And look, so in South Africa, this is uh, equally a problem. The most notable example of this was, of course. Shelley Garland and the Huffington Post. Um, and um, we should have those sort of cannons and, and morning music in the background as um, we bid farewell to the Huffington Post. To the distinguished publication, formerly known as the Huffington Post. Yes. Uh, yeah, so apparently they can't make money despite having 2 million views a month. Mm. I've spoken to people in the industry and it's like, that's average views and you should be able to have like at least a bit of advertising on it. But... Looks like uh, Shelley Garland and various various other factors assisted the downfall of the Huffington Post. I mean, I thought it was doomed to fail from the beginning, to be mm. honest. But we have a very special guest, Jonathan. We do. Right. For some time, we've wanted this person in studio. Yes, and we felt it would be a bit gloating. I'm not sure on the pronouns, if I'm honest. Zizer. We were worried that if we brought her in sooner, it would be like gloating. I mean, we're not those sort of people unless, like, Trump does something great. But nevertheless, Shelley Garland, welcome, sir. <laughs> Hi. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a deep voice there. And Shelley Garland is, of course, Marius Root. Hello yes. again. Don't need to be nervous. Ferial's not in the room. No one's going to barge in here. Not eating you, my lunch. While you're eating your lunch and uh, exposing Although you. Although I think um, being a very, Sipo, very naughty boy. Sipo, is Sipo Kongwane is. I think he's just outside tweeting about uh, how many hits this podcast is getting. If well, I'm not it hasn't mistaken. been released yet, but he will when <laughs> uh, his part-time job at Daily Vox is uh, over at 10 a.m. Marius, welcome. We've been wanting to get you in for quite a while, and you know we wanted to earlier, but we thought, you know what, you destroyed a. A publication, um, which we appreciate, but it was a bit like gloating. So now that the publication's dead, 
uh, let's have the final nail in the coffin, so to speak. So you write this article saying, you know, white men should not be allowed to vote or something to that effect. Um, explain the process. What made you write this? And most importantly, did you send it to other publications other than the Huffington Post? Well, firstly, I don't think uh, was what I did caused the end of the Huffington Post. I think it was a whole bunch of factors together. But uh, we can talk about those uh, a bit later. But um, what happened was, I mean, I just uh, felt you can uh, kind of say anything you wanted as long as it fit into a certain ideological narrative. And I was thinking, what is the most ridiculous thing you can say? And then I thought, take the votes away from white men because we've obviously, I mean, we can't lie, we have been, a lot of us or a lot of our ancestors were dicks for quite a long time. But I mean, you can't hold us responsible for those kinds of things. But for... A lot of people in these identity politics, people who follow identity politics, it's fine. I mean, if you look like people who did something 100 years ago that was awful, then you should be punished for those kind of crimes. So, but I mean, it's obviously ridiculous. But anyway, so I thought, let me see what is the most absurd thing that I can write. Then I thought I came up with it, take the votes away from white men, like uh, let fun with it. Then I, you know, looked for a couple of uh, stats. It was like, for example, whites own 97% of the JSE, and I put that in as a link to another <laughs> silly article. So, you know, it's like all this, you know, links to like ridiculousness. To Which is with. kind of what all these publications have traditionally done. They exactly. they make ridiculous assertions and they just link to another article which made a ridiculous assertion. Exactly. And it's kind of like a big circle jerk. Or like you link to Wikipedia, which links to another ridiculous article, which also links to Wikipedia. And it's like a <laughs> kind of a, yeah, like I say, like a whole circle jerk kind of thing. So then uh, I thought, well, let me write this thing. And I bashed it out, the 800 words or whatever it was. Then I sent it to uh, four places, I think it was. It was uh, Huffington Post, obviously, Daily Maverick, Daily Vox, and The Guardian in the UK. And the only people who replied was the Huffington Post. Apparently, uh Branko, the editor of Daily Maverick, got the email, but he was just like, "This is absurd. I'm not going to publish this rubbish." You know, they didn't even uh, bother, like, didn't even bother replying to me. And then uh, having the post liked it, and then decided to publish it. And uh, I've said it, uh, at first I was quite chuffed by how viral it went, but then afterwards I started uh, started panicking a bit. So I'm not going to lie to you guys. Yeah, sure. And then yeah, uh, I mean, uh, a friend of mine. I mean, it came out over the Easter weekend, and then uh, I think it was on the Friday or the Saturday. I remember seeing it went viral and had a couple of drinks with my friend that night. And he just, afterwards, he said to me, when this was happening, I thought, geez, Morris, better have an exit plan because if this guy's tits up, he's in trouble. And obviously, I didn't have any exit plan whatsoever. <laughs> so, but, I mean, to, to be fair, I mean, I never thought it would get as big as it did. I mean, it went huge. I think it was picked up by a couple of guys in the US, I think. It was, yes. Yeah. It was. It was discussed um, across, well, I mean, it was picked up by some publications there. Uh, I know from listening to, to, to certain shows, it was picked up by Ben Shapiro, by Stephen Crowder. So pretty much all the guys kind of on the mainstream right, um, who have, who have quite large audiences, um, definitely picked up on it. Yeah. You know, I, I know I've never had something go that viral, but we know from having some things, uh, our waitress tip, for example, which went quite oh, viral, yeah. um, and personally having things go, go quite viral that, the the problem with a lot of these things is that people start interpreting motive um, mm. um, when that was never your motive. And because m- millions of people are trying to interpret what you were saying, you've got millions of different interpretations mm. of what you think, why you did it, um, etc. We even got swept up in, in the whole thing because shortly afterwards we knew it was you. Mm. Um, 
And then there were a whole bunch of conspiracy theorists on, on sort of South African Twitter saying, you know, we were part of this and it was a, some sort of racist plots and, mm. and, and that type of thing. Yeah. I mean, from our side, we only wrote about the, ex- the we exposed them um, because, well, Varashni Pillay, the editor, defended the points made in your article. She didn't defend the fact that this is free speech and we'll mm. publish it, not because we agree with it, but because as a publication, we, we agree with the concept of a diversity of views. No, she actually defended the very points that you made that white men should be denied the vote because mm. it's, as she says, standard feminist theory. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I've read standard feminist theory. I haven't seen <laughs> that yeah. uh, ever. I, I think that was the most unbelievable part of the entire saga. I, I you know, when the first post goes viral, uh, I don't think they would have thought that that would have gone as viral either. Mm. I, I think if everyone's kind of honest, um, you know, they, they published something they probably shouldn't have published. Uh, even if they agree with the content, they probably should have ch- better checked it. Mm. Uh, you know, it's some random person emails them this thing. So uh, there was a whole, there were a whole bunch of mistakes, but, but I, I don't think anyone thought it would go like, I think it was at one point, Early on, in fact, 50,000 sort of shares on Facebook, which, I mean, is exponential. Uh, but I don't think anyone thought it would, it would just get that big. But what was fascinating was instead of them just going, okay, this has gotten a bit big. We don't really know the source. We can't really confirm any of this. We're not saying we agree or disagree, but we're going to just put a stop mm. to it here. That's not what happened. I mean, I remember Ramon and I having this conversation and being like, they've doubled down. Yeah. Like, what the hell? They've doubled. I think it was a Saturday evening. It was, and and that's, and that's why we exposed them because we were in contact with Marius, and he says, "No, I wrote it. Here's what they sent me to sign, and here's the emails." I'm like, "Oh, so okay," uh, and they doubled down on it. So, I mean, coming from your side, what did you feel was your interactions with the Huffington Post right at the beginning? I mean, was there any idea that they would be like, "This is a stupid article"? No, I mean, uh, somebody, uh, replied to my email. Um, it was probably an intern or junior, junior position or whatever it was. They were just like, oh, this, uh, because I first sent them an email saying, I've got this idea about writing an article about white men not being allowed to vote. And they replied, said, oh, that's really something we'd like to, we'd be interested in publishing. Can you send it through? So I did. And they're like, cool. It's going to go live whatever day, Friday or whatever it was, or the Thursday. Well, I think also, I mean, just as an, as an aside, I think that's part of the reason it went so viral because it was the Easter weekend. So it's probably like a, you know, a bit of a slow news week or news weekend overall. People are, you know, get bored on their phones. Like, oh my God, look at this thing that I'm going to share. Like, you know, mm. share with my friends, all of the cases. Yeah. So, so I got that email. And then, um, but as, uh, Jonathan was saying, I think, uh, when something goes so viral, people just, uh, they give, they assign motives to you, which aren't true. I mean, one of the problems with what happened with this whole thing was it turned into, uh, instead of just, uh, you know, a journalistic mistake was turned into this race thing. Like, you know, this uh, white man is now going for this successful black editor, which I mean, obviously wasn't the case. I mean, see, if I sent to Daily Maverick, I mean, that's, you know, yeah. the, the editor isn't a, a I black assume person. the Guardian in the UK or, you know, uh, usually the, the editors of, of, of those types of papers in the UK are, are very well off people who live in, in London and, yeah, and, this and don't, went don't to mix. Eaton probably, you know. Yeah, and, so. and they certainly don't mix with any people of color but, exactly. but, but while edi- writing articles about them. But the editor was Indian, not black. Yeah, well, that's, a, that's, well, that's, that's, I raised that point at the time and got told that that was a racist thing to say that oh, they're right. not black, you know, yeah, they're Indian. 
Uh, but I do think, I mean, uh, all government forms are, of course, racist because yes, they split exactly, the races yeah. and they don't say that Indian is black. But yes, but I think, uh, um, uh, I think a part of this also. I mean, I don't think uh, oh, this was not an attack on Varashna. I mean, I try to emphasize uh, emphasize that before. I need to emphasize it again. But I do think she was probably let down a little bit by uh, the company she worked for. I think. I mean, I don't think she got the support that maybe she needed to. I mean. Look, it was a pretty big mistake, but everybody makes mistakes. And after she made the mistake of mailing Guardians, they still mm. supported so, it. So I think that that's more – my personal opinion is that she's always been out of her depth as an editor. The reality is she's a blogger who was promoted to an editor position Look. and not a, just at any editor mm. position. I mean, the Mail and Guardian at one point was arguably the most respected mm. um, sort of physical publication in this country. Look, I think uh, Varashni is actually a good writer in my opinion. But I do think – I mean, I think she was pushed too quickly, too fast or too mm. quickly and. The push too hard too quickly, mm. and we can. I mean, we can can assign motives to why that happened. Yeah, I mean, we can probably all, you know, think about what some of the reasons are. But I mean, uh, uh, as I say, I mean, Mailing Garden used to be a great newspaper. I mean, uh, when I was a student, I used to buy it all the time. And Nick Dawes was still around, and the Feral Africa still wasn't bad. Then I think kind of rationally it started. Losing well, I mean, Chris Groper before her was, I think, the downfall. Perhaps, but I mean, even now, I mean, extra G, Ramon. <laughs> yeah, oh, Roper, sorry, <laughs> Roper, Groper. Sorry. And but I've said it now, it's still a bit hit and miss, but it seems to be getting some of its quality back, though. I, don't I mean, know. it's definitely some of the things. I mean, it's obviously comes from a very particular okay. perspective. So, so let's talk a little bit about that because the idea to write something like this must have come from a place where you feel the media is kind of eating up stuff that it shouldn't be eating up. Uh, if you write a piece and you're like, hmm, let me see if someone will publish this, mm. something must be going through your mind that there's a problem in this space that you would even think anyone would publish that. I mean, had you written that 10 years ago, I think you would have looked at this and gone, this is absolute rubbish. Mm. Like, I could publish this as satire in like Noseweek maybe or or like one of the student rags or something like that. Mm. Uh, sorry to rip off Noseweek a little bit. Um, I think they do do some good journalism. Um so something must have been in your mind about the problem in the general media. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something – something was a trigger. It was something – I probably read an article saying JC's owned 80% by white people. But, I mean, all the all the statistics tell you something different. Yeah. Right? Or that uh, whites own 80% of property in South yeah. Africa. If or a Guardian stats, article, I went and bought milk and felt deep shame in my white privilege. Exactly, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that kind of thing. And then – but I mean, it just seemed like you could say anything you wanted as long as you were attacking uh, the correct group. And I mean, it was clear that, I mean, that is exactly, I mean, could write that thing. I wouldn't know if you said that about any other group of people, it would never have been published. And people who said this is racist nonsense, which I mean, what I did mm. right, was kind of racist nonsense. So, but I mean, yeah, it would just show it like if you buy into, a, if it fit into a particular ideological Mm. Uh, you know, way of thinking, then it was accepted. And, you know, this whole critical race theory and, I mean, fit into that whole thing that the all the problems of South Africa and the world are because of white people and because of colonialism. Look, I mean, we did cause quite a lot of problems. We can't deny that. But I definitely don't think that all the problems in on this planet are because of white people and colonialism. Yeah, you know? and they, they solved a lot of problems as well. And everyone's ancestors were bastards, except maybe the Jews. So no. you, you you let off the hook. No comment. We were bastards to you. Yeah, but now, now, now you guys are being bastards. Now Jackie, now Jackie. <laughs> you can, we can go down that road, but but before we get to that quite in depth topic, um, yeah, it's it's I'm just it it's just an interesting space because you say now you feel Mail and Guardian might be getting a little bit 
back to better ways. Um, I, I'm not convinced, although, you know, even the Huffington Post, uh, sort of a month ago, I think it was, put together a quite mm. thoughtful piece, uh, video piece. Uh, on, on YouTube, yeah. On, on, on farm murders. And it wasn't, at all reactionary. Mm. It wasn't really right. It wasn't really left. I don't think uh, sort of Steve Hoffman would have loved it um, because it didn't go white genocide. You know, mm. it's, it's terrible. And black first, land first would hate it. So therefore, like it's yeah. probably it, it a, good, really was, a good centrist it was, view. It was quite thoughtful. Mm. So what do you think stopping that kind of journalism? And I, I imagine there were many journalists who were kind of pissed off with you because you can imagine people who've been writing in newsrooms for 15 years, never had anything mm. go – I mean, not even viral. Never had anything be acclaimed, you know. Mm. And 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 here you come along with eight hundred words of hate, essentially, and you you're the biggest news article yeah. of the year. Well, I was say, I mean, one thing I do think the Afton Post was getting a lot better. I mean, actually, also two or three weeks ago, they wrote a very interesting article about why you shouldn't use Isi Zulu when you speak English, and why when you speak about the language Zulu, and you speak English, say Zulu, not Isi Zulu. I mean, so, but it was all quite a lot of linguistic theory, but it was very interesting and just explained why when you speak a certain language, you should follow those language conventions. Huh. And it was just, I mean, you wouldn't get that in any, in a lot of other papers. And I think the Huffington Post South Africa was a lot better than Huffington Post International, I think, towards the end. And they were actually publishing a lot of stuff from uh, where my current employer, Institute of Race Relations, you know, the, the kind of… Uh, yeah, that's true. Your articles yeah. from the Institute tend to, tended to be trending yeah, on Huffington so, Post as, as op-eds. And they, were they seemed to become much more from a centrist point of view. I mean, like giving uh, both sides the, the kind of options or uh, giving both sides voice. So I do think it was getting a lot better. So, I mean, I think there was definitely a place for this new, new kind of Huffington Post. But, I mean, I think they – I mean, I don't think – I mean, who knows how badly the Shelley Garland thing affected them. I don't think it would have been – might possibly a bit, but I don't think you can scrub that to what went under. Sure. Yeah. But then there was another, I mean, the issue. When I think it was embarrassing for the global yeah. brand. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, they rebranded like two weeks afterwards. So. Yeah, they rebranded two weeks after. Yeah, but those, those are like months in the making. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. No, yeah. That, the rebranding, but I'm saying it, I think it affected the rebranding because mm. here you come and you're rebranding in the midst of a scandal. Mm. Uh, where, and, and, and the problem was that initially, Huffington Post, uh, sort of dot com didn't really shut any, any of this down. They, they helped amplify. Mm. Uh, so I do think, I do think you never know what happened in a boardroom that they sort of said, look, South Africa's crossed the line. They've embarrassed us too much and we need to sort of cut them loose. Oh, I think it's economic at the end of the day. Sure. Mm. Media, 24, Media 24 argued they couldn't get advertised onto the site and all that. And, um, and I think they were, yeah. they, com they were competing with themselves to a degree because they're sure. on News 24's platform. They were kind of fishing the same pond, I think. So I think they were uh, competing with themselves, and I think it's probably part of the reason they. But I mean, they were like they were. I think it was becoming quite a good publication towards the end. All right, so let's let's talk about you, you know when when this all came out, when this all happened, you got accosted at work. I don't really want to go into all of that too much. Except I, I for, do. Oh, do you? Yeah. All right. Let, let's let's go so, let's go into you getting accosted let, at work. Let, then I'll get into the scene. So you. T so the weekend was a, it was a shit show. Uh, Varashni resigned, I think, on Sunday mm. evening Sunday, af yeah. after defending it, and then she, she retracted the defense, and then she no, resigned. she she didn't she hadn't resigned yet. Oh, she hadn't resigned yet. Yeah. Okay, the new are at work on the Tuesday or Wednesday, having lunch, and then in barges, like one of the biggest editors in the country, Feral Hafiji. Before you get to what they actually said. How did they find you, dude? Because oh, yes. so, well, because this sounds like yeah. some dodgy stuff went that down. Sounds like so, Israeli intelligence shit. So, well, man. firstly, let me say I have to. 
I was also a bit, uh, I had a bit of hubris and I thought I was like coolest guy in the world when this happened. But then we went, saw how viral it was. And then that weekend I started stressing. And one of the issues also, the woman I was seeing at the time worked for NASPAF. So I won't say what position or what her name was or whatever. Mm-hmm. But she was also, oh my God, you know, so she was also stressed like what, you know, what might happen to her yeah, job. Blowback, and, yeah, exactly. All that kind mm. of thing. So then I remember like, didn't sleep well. That, the Monday was the public holiday and didn't sleep well because I was stressing like what's going on. Then the, I think it was the Wednesday, uh, somebody uh, phoned, uh, my office phone, said, hi, is this Morris? I was like, it is. They're like, okay, thanks. Put the phone down. Then I was like, oh, here we go. Flip. And then at about midday, because I was having lunch, uh, the receptionist phoned me and said, Morris, your meeting's out. I'm like, oh, I don't have any meetings planned today. Here we go. <laughs> so we walked down the passage and there's Ferrell Afaji and Peter Dutoy. I was like, oh, God, here we go. So went but, to but, th- but you sent the original mail off a standard Gmail account or what? Oh, a Yahoo account, but from my work email. So, so apparently I heard from uh, somebody, they apparently, uh, a journalist told me they'd spoken to somebody who'd helped uh, Nasperus or Huffington Post trace this email apparently. Yeah. But apparently it's illegal to trace an email unless you've got a court order. Yes. So but I mean, Nas- Nasperus obviously has the resources because they own half the internet companies in this country. Yeah. So that's, they traced and then, I mean, I was also a bit of a, Schoolboy error sending it from my work email. I mean, from my work computer. At least. Sure, but the trace uh, m- m- potentially was illegal. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, but All even right. I mean, so, so they, they find you, yeah. uh, illegally or illegally. They find you, they walk in, and you, you were literally eating your lunch. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. in the middle of a sandwich. I think, <laughs> and they bring in a videographer. Yeah, it wasn't great. A camera crew. Yeah, yeah. And it was them. instant. I think uh, they were recording from the beginning. If yeah, I'm, yeah, if I'm I, not mistaken. I've still not watched that video. I've been told if you want to keep respect for yourself, don't watch the video. So. <laughs> I mean, this is like, to me, it was like the worst episode of Canon Camera ever. Yeah, was, but the, also, the problem was, I mean, it was this. I think it was a chicken mayonnaise sandwich or something. My mouth went so dry. Have you ever tried to eat bread with, with a dry mouth? It was just like, <laughs> you know, That's it was great. horrible. But you know what I should have said to them? Look, they caught me fair and square, whatever. I should have said to them, look, guys, that's fine. Give me an hour or I'll come see you guys tomorrow at whatever time. Yeah. You know, I should have, but it was like a rabbit in the head. I was like, oh, geez. Yeah, no, there. sure. You know, so, and you're not sh- that type of person, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you're not a public eye type of no, person. No, well, that's one thing I also realized. I don't have the stomach to be in the public eye. Like, just like, you know, like sometimes for when you bit of uh, ma- ma- masochism, then you Google your name and see what people have been saying. Like, oh, geez, like, yeah. you know? <laughs> because I found that whole thing. So the video was used explaining what you were doing, and you were being very honest and nervous throughout. And I thought it was just appalling that someone mm. could just walk into your work area with a camera and then just, like, frankly, bully you mm. into well, explaining well, yourself. Well, it could have been one of the first, not the first, because we've had quite a couple. Uh, ex- examples in South Africa of this you did something I don't like which created some sort of outrage and therefore you must be you must lose your job you yeah. must you must be I mean, damaged personally I mean there's a distinct, distinct difference between Debbie Governor from Carte Blanche running into your office because you defrauded mm. whatever someone mm. and then accusing you right I mean I get that investigative mm. journalism but this was just like retribution mm. to me I mean how did you feel after the fact now that's how I felt I mean I did feel like I said, I mean, uh, I did cause some news and it's fair enough that they wanted to talk to me, but I just think the way they did it, bursting to my office was a bit unfair. And yeah. bit, you know, catching guy off sides, you know. So, so, so you, did, you did resign then? Well, what I did was I went to go speak to my immediate, uh, like, boss or superior or whatever. And I said to him, this is what happened. And, and he hadn't heard about anything. He's like, no, let me just Google it. Then he came, I was about 10 minutes late. He's like, holy shit, Morris, this thing is huge. <laughs> so, so then he said, okay, just offer to resign. And then so offered, offered to resign and then, Next thing is like, cool, okay, bye. 
Yeah, no defense, no nothing. No, but it's fair enough. I mean, I probably did uh, bring, you know, put a dispute in my old company. So it's fair enough, you know. So, I mean, and also did, you know, it was like, uh, I don't blame them for accepting my resignation. It, it, it's interesting because what I'm hearing is you're taking responsibility for something arguably you shouldn't have to take responsibility Absolutely. for. And I'm yet to hear Varashni actually take responsibility. So she did lose her job. She 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 did resign as well. Your hashtag. Um, like, but but she resigned. has repeatedly denied any yeah. wrongdoing. And it's just it's just an interesting. And what I wanted to get to before we got into that whole story was, so whenever anyone does something like this or you know anything that creates the outrage culture on Twitter or, or Facebook, whatever it is. They are obviously a, a right wing, you know that that's that's how they're immediately uh, uh, described and yeah. categorized. Um, are you a very right wing individual? No, I mean if I had to classify myself, I'd probably say classical liberal leans maybe slightly left. You know, when you do those little political compass yeah. tests on the internet, yeah, oh, right. I'm in the bottom left quadrant, but close to the middle. So, <laughs> but yeah. I would say, I mean, if I was a if I was an American, I'd probably vote. Democrats, maybe not all the time. Oh. Don't know if I would have voted for Hillary Clinton. I mean, if I was British, I'd vote for Lib Dems. Yeah, you know, most probably. So, right. So you're like a classic like DA guy. So, yeah. So yeah, th- yeah. This is the interesting thing which I'm uh, I've been thinking about a lot lately, which is uh, that the 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 left and the far left, really, but but what is now the left in a way because it's cannibalized everything on the left, is creating the biggest right. That has ever existed. Uh, we had oh, recently, uh, um, uh, I noted Rich Mulholland, uh, getting sort of a whole bunch of shit from a, from a sort of low level comedian. Um, use the term very loosely. Well, well, I, well, I use the term loosely just because even high level comedians like, <laughs> like the US guys, you know, Colbert and, and, uh, uh, uh Stuart and, and those guys, Noah, uh, none of them are really funny uh, just because they're so serious about the politics and the, the Russians. Um, but, but, um, you know, Rich is quite left actually. Um, and, yeah. and uh, we would disagree with him on lots. We have, we've had him on the podcast and we, we disagree on plenty and we, we, we're friendly with him and we've had discussions offline as well. I would say he's probably on the left. But he's like sensible left. You can sit and have a chat with him and he'll go, you'll go, well, I think taxation is theft. And he'll go, well, I don't think it is. And these are the reasons why. And we need to pay for X and Y and Z. And you'll go, oh, well, I kind of see where you come, you know, but when they start eating people like you, people like Rich, um, and you become, you're right wing. And of course that comes with a whole bunch of connotations. Mm. If you're right wing, you're racist. Um, you're misogynistic. You're homophobic. Um, you probably like Nazis quite a bit. Uh, all of those well, only for like aesthetic reasons to be honest <laughs> I mean that uniform Hugo Boss can't go wrong you know but, so, uh, but uh, that's all so so Nazi jokes at at, at uh, quarter to twelve in the, in the <laughs> afternoon or morning um, so so you know the, I just feel like there's this cannibalization and I don't know. Do you do you feel like you've been pushed a little bit away from from where you you stood and like kind of you're not part of your group anymore because your group kind of said nah you you did something we didn't like. Look, I'd never say I was part of that group. I've always thought I've been pretty centrist. You know, I never felt like I was a uh, on the left or yeah. And I mean, a lot of things. I mean, but now you're being classified as on the right. Yeah, but I mean, people can classify as whatever they want. You yeah, know what I mean, like I, I know what I think and I know how I feel. But I mean, you got to. Excellent point about how this this new left is creating a, 
a new and a bigger right. Mm. I mean, identity politics, it's, it's poisonous. And the thing is, what it, uh, it creates problems on the left and the right. I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, let's, let's, uh, let's be honest here and say Nazism and apartheid was identity politics. We were saying these certain people oh, yeah, at, be, a, at a state level. Exactly. Which is much so, worse now. I mean, I'm not saying the people who are into identity politics on the left are Nazis or anything like that. But I mean, if you say these are our people and these mm, other people. Based on how they look exactly. or how they identify. And generally, white males are the one outside of the identity politics. You point, you push people. I mean, that's why you've seen the rise of the right in the US and these guys with the, the ticky torches and these. I mean, most of them are goons. You can see Richard Spence is a goon. You know, but I mean, a lot of people now, well, he's saying, well, these people say white men are horrible. And this guy's saying white men actually aren't that bad, you know. And, and I think what happens, a lot of vulnerable people end up gravitating to these things. Because they're like, this is a group that now will kind of accept and whatever. But anyway, to carry on. I mean, identity politics on the left is partly what caused Trump to win. It's partly what caused Brexit, I think. It's partly what's leading to the rise of the AFD in uh, Germany, you know. So I think that's kind of the problem. I mean, well. Identity politics, it's, I think it's one of the worst things that's happening in our politics at the moment. So, I mean, we should, we should gravitate around ideas, not how you look or how mm. you identify as a human being, you know. So, I mean, that's, that's one of the problems, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that's racist because um, ideas are, <laughs> are Eurocentric, patriarchal, heteronormative um, constructs um, as far as I'm aware. Thank you, but, Professor Kabanak. <laughs> yeah, no, the Professor Kabanak recently graduated from the School of Gender Studies. A PhD in, in whiteness and whiteness studies. I'm starting to sound like Another favorite Twitter friend of ours, um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. With you. I think identity politics is 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 very toxic to. I'm not a Democrat, but it is toxic to democracy, and you will see the rise of of uh, fascism in some ways if we pursue it. If we carry on to pursue it, I think Judas Malema is a, the architect, you know, of mm. that in in the South African dialect. Before EFF, I mean, the ANC tried to dabble in it, but they were never very persuasive. EFF comes onto the scene in 2013 and you just feel this ramping mm. up of it on, especially on social media and in the press because they report on everything he does, of mm. course. But, um, I mean, back to your story though. If I was someone at Media 24, I would have invited you for a lunch and thanked you for showing the reasons why media is not trusted and deficiencies in the system. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you did a very important favor, so to speak, in in the South African political discourse because you you ripped a hole in reality that the media's objective they claim to be, some don't claim to be, and um, they're better off for that. But when you have an editor defending an opinion piece, but, but defending the ideas, that's the important part. Not defending the concept of diversity of view, but defending the ideas. You fucked as a publication, like you really are, because that's not your job. Your job is, as editors not to agree with the opinion pieces in the publication. So I mean, I think you did it yourself, yourself. You did <clears throat> South Africa a great service. I think I think it's fine to agree with the, the opinion pieces, but then you need to be open about it and say we, ex newspaper, we are on this side of the. I mean, the British do it, and I think it's it's good. I mean, they say the Guardian will come out and say we support Jeremy yeah. Corbyn and Labour. Yeah. The Times will come out and say we support. Tories or whatever. Yeah, but that's politics. You know? I mean, I, I agree. Oh, with but they'll that. come. You'll at least know what the ideological grounding is if they come from. If they're saying this is the political party we support, this is the ideology we support. So you'll know when they're writing this kind of article. Then I mean, <clears throat> we would. I mean, we all knew Huffington Post was a kind of identity politics on the left. I mean, that was clear. But they need to be say we are. I mean, probably 
the rational standard is probably one of the only. I mean, they're not, they're not mainstream, but one, they're one of the only guys who says we are classical liberals, and this is the kind of this is where we're coming from when we yeah. write our articles. Well, them, A N Seven, and the Daily Box are the most honest publications yeah. in this in this well, country. A N Seven is, I think, is not it's closed down now. Afro it? Voice or whatever yeah. well, it's, it's on its on its way. Yeah, yeah. So but I mean, join, I mean, uh, and perhaps we are. We, it's I a mean, pity because they've got great equipment and great studios. Should we should we try to buy them out? <laughs> Run sure. get I've got about twenty bucks in my back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, Zwanele money might uh, accept that now. So yeah, but it would come with three hundred like million rands of debt or something, something ridiculous. But uh, but I think you did. I think you did the, the you know South Africa a very important service, and and the fact that they threw you under the bus and across the gene public, well in your in your work rather, showed how fragile they actually are because they had to bury you mm, live. Like- like I think, I mean, uh, I think that a lot of people made a lot of mistakes in the whole thing. I think the running of the piece was the first mistake. Me, my hubris was a bit of a mistake as well. I think when it came out, when it went viral, I think I probably should have come clean then and said, I mean, I was also a little bit gloating. Uh, that, uh, early know, on and said, look, hey guys, um, yeah. I'm not actually, I'm Marius. Yeah. I, no, I, I, I fully think, disagree with that. It, it's not your problem. No, but, but I just think maybe, you know, would have maybe nipped it in the bud. Maybe if Rashni wouldn't have lost a job. I mean, Thank you. you know. Yeah, but you also don't. Yeah, Marius does though. Yeah, and, and uh, fairness to him, he's got he's got a, a lot of compassion. If, if she took responsibility, sure. But even after mm. the fact, I think weeks that, and weeks later, yeah. I saw her at the at the media tribunal hearing. Yes. And she mm. called me a member of the alt right, yeah. and she said you were there and you weren't even yeah, there. Yeah, and, yeah, and you weren't even there. I mean, not all Jews look the same. <laughs> well, not all Jews look the same, and they're not usually members of like Nazi organizations, <laughs> but or movements. Yeah, so uh, I got very little with respect. I got very little sympathy I, I, for her, and then she found a job two weeks later somewhere mm. else doing news. I think like, in the when, timeline though, when did these people like actually? Get skin in the game and, and, you know, take responsibility for their fuck ups. It hasn't happened. I do it. Mm. I lose clients if I fuck up. They just get pushed around to other media organizations. Mm. I think in the timeline, I understand what you're saying. So before, because I, I, I agree with you. I have no, um, uh, sympathy for, for Rashni in the sense that after the doubling down, up until that point, I can get an error has been made. So mm. if we're in the timeline that so far it's been published, it's going viral. Uh, no one's doubled down. Uh, the Huffington Post hasn't said anything, and Marius comes out and says, "Look, hey guys, this thing's going viral, but I just want you to, you to know this is complete satire, and I'm actually Shelley Garland." I understand from that context why you might have wanted to just put a stop to mm. it at that before it kind of got out of hand, because exactly. it is odd, at least to. to that um, you lost your job, Varashni lost her job. Uh, perhaps uh, a part of the Huffington Post not existing had uh, it has to do with that. So a whole bunch of mm. other people lost their jobs, if there is any relation uh, at all. Um, a, a news organization, which at least among some people had had a bit of credibility, lost a ton of credibility. So it, it, there was a lot of impact mm. from eight hundred words. Yeah, uh, and I suppose I can kind of understand. Uh, as that was happening, if you look back at it, you can kind of go, is there some point at which we could have put a stop mm. and said, look, you've made a big mistake, but there's a way to stop this mm. before it gets out of hand. I think, like I said, I mean, like a lot of, a lot of mistakes were made, and that's one where I should have said, guys, calm down. This was this was me. And I think another mistake was uh, being accosted in my office by you know yeah. senior editors. I think, I mean, I think all this could have been handled a lot better by a lot of people, including myself. You know, so I mean, I, I appreciate taking responsibility, but I don't think you're at fault in any single way whatsoever. Um, you are 
covering yourself and I accept that. But these people fucked up and they mm. try to better you as much as possible. You wouldn't have the same courtesy if it was the other way around. Yeah, but <clears throat> you just because other people are dexed, I mean, you have to be. I mean, yeah. you're a better man or woman than me, Marius. Uh, what's uh, gender fluid? I tried to I tried to bury my enemies because they so, want me buried. So you your 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 job was as a researcher. Yeah. is that correct? Yeah. Uh, what does that entail? Uh, well, where I was working was basically. Being a gopher, find out this piece of info, go do this. Okay, do we, we need to know this piece of information, so, so yeah, we, exactly, we need yeah, the context yeah. and and, yeah, and more yeah. background. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and okay, so um, you 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 did resign from your job. They did mm. accept your resignation. Um, and I think how long did it take to die down? How long before people forgot your name? And <laughs> it's, I, feel like, I mean, this was also only big in certain circles. Eh? Like I mean, sometimes I like. I'll bump into a guy I haven't seen for a while and I say, oh, geez, that whole Hafton Post thing. Guy's like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. And then like, you won't have a clue. Yeah. But then actually, uh, I was having coffee with Ramon a week ago, I think. And yeah. we were in a place and, uh, I was waiting for Ramon and then, uh, this guy said to me, excuse me, are you the guy who wrote that Hafton Post article? I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. How's it? <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> so sometimes but, it's still there, but, yeah. but, uh, you moved on. Mm. Um, you are now at the IRR. Yeah, I mean, uh, I used to work for them before, and then uh, after this whole thing happened, uh, Franz Cornier, the CEO, gave me a call, just chatted a bit, and then I started doing just a bit of writing for them. Then three or four months ago, he said they've got a, a new position he'd like me to uh, get involved in there. So uh, what we're doing is uh, we've started this uh, Friends Initiative. So uh, it's uh, kind of – we um, it's – Trying to get uh, funding in South Africa for NGOs is getting more and more difficult, and especially for, classically liberal ones. Exactly, like yours, and we're yeah. like the institute, which takes quite a hard line on certain things and controversial line mm. in a lot of cases. So what we're doing is uh, getting people who support the work we do to uh, give us certain amount, ma- uh, certain amount of money a month, fifty, eighty rand, hundred rand, whatever the case is, and then if they want to, uh, you know, support our work, then they can do that. And you know, it's kind of kind of crowdfunding model almost. You know, it's like the way. Um, uh, other organizations, Arta does it, uh, every forum does it, you know, so. Yeah, if you, if you believe what the organizer, if you believe in what the organization does. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and look, I, I can just point to one, I'm not, uh, shilling for you at all, but, <laughs> but, uh, I put my name on, and I don't usually put my name on petitions, but I put my name on your submission, mm. uh, to parliament on, um, the whole expropriation without compensation. I thought it was very, um, well set out. It said exactly what I would want to say um, at that level. Uh, there was no hysteria about it, and it it, it gave uh, uh, ways that the, this should mm. be approached and why. Mm. Um, so I thought that was really well done. You you got quite a lot of signatures on but, that. Uh, Sixty thousand people uh, supported our submission, so it's a lot. So <clears throat> anyway, yeah, but that's what I mean. So that's what if you want, I mean, support that kind of thing. That's what you proposing you know, preparation without compensation. You know, where can our listeners should they? I mean, our listeners are, I think, your target market. Yeah, but where, think, yeah. where could they find out? I mean, they're welcome to go to the website. Yeah, uh, okay. rrr.org.za, and then uh, there'll be a they'll see a join button which you can click on. Mm. Bring your details. Somebody will call you, and you can also SMS your name to I think the number is three two eight two three, and then somebody will uh, give you a call and uh, see if you're interested in. Supporting the, the institute. So, yeah, if people are interested in or want to support the work we're doing, which is, uh, I think we're in a, quite a, a scary and dangerous time as a country at the moment. I think we need uh, organizations that uh, aren't always following the party line in the commerce. Yeah, that are fearless. Yeah. yeah and our fulfills that. I, I know you chaps quite well. Yeah. I mean, I have to, I mean, as an aside also, I think this is probably the most worried I've been about the country for a long time. 
You know, I think we're just in a let's talk about space. that a little bit. What's what's bothering you? I think, I mean, we've we've had these opportunities to change course. You know, we've got we've got Cyril in charge now, but he seems to be more. Worried. I mean, he's made some things. He's you know changing the boards at the SOEs and stuff, but that's not going to change anything. It's like literally or not literally, but rearranging the deck chairs on Titanic. Mm. What do you need to do? We need to sell ESCOM. We need to sell SA. We need to get rid of all these guys, yeah. and we need to start. Getting, getting, uh, cutting out this cancer of corruption in the country. I mean, that's, that is, this is part of the reason. I mean, what, 70% of municipalities are dysfunctional in the country? I mean, it's, it's, it's absurd. I mean, and that's actually where we need Cyril to be, uh, you know, actually to stand up to, uh, these Zuptarts and whatever. But I mean, at the end of the day, actually, I don't think the ANC is the party that's going to. I, I mean, I want Cyril to carry on being an absolute dickhead because, um, people will suffer, uh, the poor the most of all. And I think that we need a change, and that change will only happen with a huge downturn. Well, I think that's actually why, in the long run, it might have been better for South Africa if NDZ had won last year. We were, oh, I was supporting the full so force. There's man. no way ANC wouldn't have got fifty percent. Yeah, in fairness, right? Ramon was was well behind NDZ, <laughs> or just Zuma continuing for All a third way. term and Be- becoming a dictator. Try becoming a dictator. Yeah. You got he no army. I, I can deal with a mm. corrupt pragmatist than a than a very smart ideologue. Mm. And Cyril is a very smart ideologue. So I mean. Next alliance is going to get 50% again, or maybe 60%. We're going to carry on the same path. We're going, following silly policies that's going to not grow. We'll probably go into recession again. You know, people are going to get poorer. We're going to be more unemployed people. And know. then the populism rises, right? Exactly. I mean, if the, if the AFF does get more support, I mean, the left wing in the ANC is probably stronger than it's been for quite some time, I think. So, I mean, that's why they supported EWC, I think. That's part of the reason. So, I think, I mean, also, I'm... Um, I'm a DA supporter, but I mean, I also don't know if they have the answer to, to what's going to... Yeah, I'm a disillusioned DA supporter. Yeah, but I mean... Yeah. It depends on who we have on this podcast. Like, Khaleb last week was fantastic as a DA mm. MP. Yeah, also, also because as someone noted on Twitter, and as we had noted straight after that interview, when you asked Khaleb something, he didn't go... You know, I don't want to like speak for the party, um, or you know, that's quite controversial. He just said what he thought. Mm. Like, cool. We know it's you speaking, Khaleb. We don't think that you speak for every person. I mean, if the DA really embraced liberal values, they would say to every one of their members, say whatever the hell you like, mm. because they would understand that everyone's an individual. If they were truly a liberal party, they would go, yes, you're all members of a larger grouping, but mm. you're individuals. So when you speak, you don't speak for us. Mm. Um, and I, this has been a hole they fell into, I think, initially with Helen Ziller. Mm. Uh, if Helen Ziller says something, then she speaks for the DA. Bullshit. Mm. She speaks for Helen Ziller. Exactly. Um, you know, and if she goes, I, as the Western Cape Premier, think, then she's mm. speaking as the Western Cape Premier. And if she goes, I, as the leader, when she was, then fine. Then she's speaking for the party. But if she, as an individual, tweets something, that's not like, oh, the DA thinks X about colonialism. No, yeah. Helen Ziller thinks X about colonialism. No, but the but the opponents will use that against the DA. Of though, course, so. of course. But as a brand, you have to have a consistent it's message. Consistent message. Right? I mean, that that's the inherent problem with uh, large organizations such as that. So, I mean, as a final, but your consistent message can be we're honest, we're honest and blunt. I mean, the only way to deal with that Zilla colonialism tweet is like we disagree with it completely but mm. as a liberal party we accept freedom of speech and exactly. uh, we are not going to sanction her because she didn't um, break the constitution she didn't break any internal rules so we disagree with her and we'll carry on boom mm. nobody in the bud everyone will be happy but no we have to have this whole show, p- dog and pony show around her uh, yeah we, we are team Zilla 
sort of. <laughs> no, we're mo- we're mostly, we, no, we are mostly teams. And I would love to have her. She's, she's, she, I worry about her and at the moment because she's gone down this rabbit hole of a conspiracy theory. Mm. She's, she, she's had a, a rough time on Twitter. Mm. Uh, and I think uh, she, she's lost a lot because of Twitter. She might not be willing to admit that. But, and she might stand by that colonialism tweet. And I, and I would understand why, because mm. I understand what she was saying, uh, and I don't impute but motive. But it's not for nuance, anyway. No, it's not. Say. It's not for nuance. But 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 that's not your fault either. Mm. Like yeah. if you want to put something up there, and people want to interpret it in the worst possible way, that's their problem, not yours. Mm. Uh, but but she's lost as a result of whether whether she was right or wrong or whatever it is. She she suffered as a result of that tweet and. She's now made all kinds of links. The Gupta bots were also on her timeline and were also the reason why she got into so much hot water around her tweets. And also those Gupta bots are also bots that are the Russians are running to take the American election and all of this stuff. And I think she's, she's, she's getting uh, into an area where there's more conspiracy than, than fact. Um, but yes, mostly I'm 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 pro Helen, and I would love to have a conversation. And she's with more her about than willing that. to talk about that. You took her on Twitter, and she oh, says, yeah, yeah, "Oh, she, but here's some claims, here's sure. some evidence." So, I mean, it's fine if she believes it, but she has some sort of evidence to back it up. But um, Shelley, uh, a, how long has it been now? A year later, or happened more? in April last year, I think. So eighteen months later, mm. you got a full time job again. Um, How do you count? I hope you. Well, I don't know. Easter. Sixteen months. I'm, right, a, yeah. I'm, I'm half Arab, so Muslims don't don't. You guys invented, invented uh, maths. For maths God's yeah. sake. We invented maths. <laughs> yeah. You did. Oh, so we did. We did. Oh, okay. Anyway. You invented the zero. No, was it the Indians? But that yeah, was the yeah, Indians. Yeah, yeah. So you invented algebra. Eighteen yes. months later, you got a new job. Uh, thankfully, hopefully paying you more than your old one. Um, but what do you think of it now? 18 months later, is life better for you? Yeah, do you I think, think, I mean, do you think you've done something important? Do you still regret it? All's well that ends well. I mean, the, <laughs> it wasn't great having those. I mean, the time was kind of stressful and I think it did quite, put quite a lot of uh, stress on my relationship with uh, the person I was seeing at the time, which I think probably led to our breakup last year. So, but overall, I think uh, things have uh, worked out in general. I mean, uh, as I managed to get a new job, I mean, and if I've managed to start a conversation in the media that we needed, then I think uh, it's uh, then I think I managed to do what I wanted to do. Yeah. Obviously, as I said, I mean, as I've said, you guys, some things I regret, and you know, some things I would, would maybe change. But I think overall, I think the actual the writing of the article and sending it, I would probably still do it again. I reckon. Yeah, I think you should, and then let it get published again, and then then you'd be like, "Listen, fuckers, you didn't learn the first time." Well, What's I mean, uh, I was in uh, one of the other ideas I had was I was in uh, Cambodia last year. And, I mean, that place got a horrible history. Twenty five percent people Jeez. wiped out because yeah. of, because of communism. Yes, yep. and I was thinking, you know, were the Khmer Rouge and, that and, bad? And and you know? if you want to read some of the work, I mean, I know Jordan Peterson, for example, talks about Solzhenitsyn and, and um, the gulags and 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 the stuff that happened there, but. <laughs> If you want to also read some horrible stuff about the torture that humans are capable of, the, the stuff that the Khmer Rouge did oh. is just yeah. possibly, po- mm. I, I, you know, it's hard to quantify who's worse, the Nazis, the the, the sort of Khmer Russian Rouge communists, but the Khmer Rouge mm. are really right up and, there with some of the stuff their, that they, they thing, did. I mean, they, they came to the lo- logical endpoints of communist ideology. Like everybody had to be exactly equal. 
And if if somebody saw if you ate a, an apple that fell off a tree and somebody saw you, and you report you were shot dead. Yeah, because you have you have, you have more an extra to eat than, than someone exactly. else. But they, but they emptied. I mean, when they took power, they emptied whole cities yeah. into the countryside. They forced mm. people to walk hundreds of kilometers, mm. stabbed or shot anyone who couldn't keep up. Including babies, mm. old old people like that, and forced them to be collectivized farmers mm. for five years until the Khmer Rouge oh, yeah, fell. Yeah, yeah. Thailand. You, and if if you're an intellectual, if you spoke a foreign language, if you had, if if you had, had glasses, glasses. Yeah, you're screwed. And but that's also the thing. Pol Pot and everybody who's in charge of the Khmer Rouge, yeah. they were exact. They were intellectuals. They'd all studied in France. Pol Pot studied in France. Yeah, exactly. so, I mean, don't blame France. The, the whole, all the whole Khmer Rouge. Well, France is somewhat responsible. Yeah, because France French. did the revolution incorrectly. <laughs> but, yeah. but yes. No, but, but that's the thing. I mean, all these, all these so-called movements of the masses are organized by these very big intellectuals that think that ideas are more important than people. And you, you, you're seeing the same. Yeah. Expropriation is far more important than what it'll people. do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you what know, consequences will flow from it. Any, any revolution, not necessarily. Uh, good revolutions also generally led by the middle class intellectuals. I mean, the ANC was, Always. I mean, it was middle class guys. All revolutions you know, are, yeah. are by the middle class. Exactly. So even, I mean, not necessarily evil revolutions, good revolutions too. You know, so as I say, like, I mean, sure. the one we had, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, people worry about like the 10 million unemployed. They're not going to do anything. Mm. I'm worried about the people in the city here yeah, yeah, yeah. who lose, who lose 20% of their income overnight due to some stupid policy or get kicked out of their but, I mean, flat. Soviet revolution, Nazi revolution, all com- uh, led by the middle, uh, middle class. Intellectual middle class. Yeah. Exactly. 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 That's why the EFF is like such a middle class uh, party, in my view. No, they are. I mean, they get, uh, in 2014, 40% of their support came from Gauteng. You know, they're not a, you know, obviously would blot from poorer people, but I mean, like fairly educated 20% a chunk and for, uh, exactly. Gauteng is not rural exactly yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the richest province I mean if you look at the, this sport the comes from Platinum Belt Petty Speakers in Limpopo and then Gauteng really yeah that's what's from. interesting so yeah so I, I mean I think you had maybe not a revolution but it was close you took out of a good chunk of of the the wind out of the, the media's sales for the moment. Um, I don't know if they learned their lesson, to be honest. I haven't seen another piece like that, but I don't know if that can be replicated. Mm. It's just so arbitrary sometimes yeah. how these things happen. Um, and yeah, I think you should be proud of yourself, Marius. I don't think you should be as humble as, uh, hmm. you have nothing to be humble about. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and, uh, I, I appreciate the fact that you took some responsibility, but it wasn't yours to take in the first place. And, uh, yeah, you did the world a favor. So well done. I'm fully on board with trying it again sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I don't know if you will be able to uh, see recently Godfrey Elfwick is, uh, off, banned, off, yeah. off, off Twitter, been banned completely. Try to come back as a secondary account, instantly banned. So clearly Twitter has picked up on, on him and, and he's gone. There's that's, a great article about just, him on Sparked. Yeah. I read that. Uh, but yeah. I mean, he was, he was not saying anything horrible or racist. He was just, no, no, he didn't break, really. he didn't break terms, the so, terms or conditions at all. He was funny. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he was, he was, a, he was a great mirror, mm. um, to the left's insanity. Mm. And, uh, it's unfortunate that stuff like that's being removed. Also, because sometimes that mirror is important. If mm. every now and again, someone on the left will go, do we look like that? Mm. Oh, okay. I get why we're driving people away. Um, and I'm not unhappy they're driving people away, but certainly if you are on the left, you, you might be concerned that you actually want to build, not destroy mm. people on your own side. And, uh, you know, as I say, I'm not upset. We attract more and more people to this podcast as an example weekly, uh, who right. are sick and tired of listening and without, to the without, usual. without appealing to their base emotions of revenge or things like that. If we're just like, well, this is us. This is unfiltered. No tech. Well, a lot of texture. We just. Care about mm. these ideas we speak about, mm. and people are like, yeah, I like that. Like we don't 
have an agenda, so to speak. And uh, yeah, he knew that, you know, uh, what's it called? Conversations between friends on a podcast is reaching thousands and thousands mm. of people in this country. Um, I thought it was two guys and a dog or something. No, that's the person who downloads our podcast. Uh, okay. It's Jonathan's yeah. dog. He's got a, uh, my dog. He's the only uh, listener, actually. <laughs> yeah, he's the only listener. He's, he's got he's a, click, a, a click farm in well, Augsburg. Well, I'll, yeah. uh, well, I'm from Benoni, so I'll go pop in there. So. Yeah, right, yeah. His, name's, his name's Winston. 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 Okay, cool. After the statesman, yes. But he hasn't, he hasn't firebombed anyone as yet. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> not he, a war criminal as yet. But he will be firebombed if our downloads don't keep up. No, they have to keep up. That's the only way they, anyone's listening to us is my dog. <laughs> Indeed. That's it. So thank you, Marius. Thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I think the timing was right because we thought straight after, let's get Marius in. And I, I, I actually retrospectively think that would have been wrong. Yeah, it was just gloating. Um, yeah, no. 18 months later and, and the demise of the Huff Pro just. Yeah, just to, just uh, to, to bring it back up. Sure. So thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Good luck in all you're doing. Cool. Thanks, uh, listeners are obviously welcome to go and join the IRR. They're an organization we very much support. Absolutely. In terms of the work they do. One of the few. Um, and uh, produce good data as well, which we like. Uh, even if it's data that you don't like or sometimes we disagree with or we're like, oh, that's interesting and data. I've, I've had the methodologies of their data tested by other people outside mm. the institute and they say, no, that the, the way this is collected is really, really solid. Some of the best in the country by far. Good. Um, so I support the IRR, 50 bucks a month. I mean, you can, you know, if you're with us, you pay every form 100 rand, you pay IRR 100 rand <laughs> and you pay Renegade Report like 200 rand because like we're the most supported, right, on Patreon. So if you do like us, patreon.com forward slash renegade report and yes and next week yes Jonathan Witt we have Mike Schussler on we do we do have Mike on great economist eye opening interesting conversation yeah there's a lot more money than we suspected in the country uh, but Mike will fully explain how and why that is so so nevertheless thank you all thank you so much for listening and uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter at renegade underscore report You know where to find Ramon and I. Thanks so much. Cheers. Bye. is cliffcentral.com